from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You know, the, the reformists would go on to say, but ideally it should be, you know, reform, rehabilitation, um, amends making, that, that sort of thing. We call it the Missouri Department of Corrections, right? We don't call it the Missouri mm-hmm. Department of Punishment. Punishment. Yeah, yeah. The way he talked about cases, what did kind of have this, what you might call uh, old school law and order mm-hmm. sort of um, tone. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. The lingering influence of a prosecutor who was really good at sending people to death row. Bob McCullough stood out among prosecutors nationally for his success getting the death penalty for defendants he prosecuted. He's been out of office since 2019, but three of the 23 people he sent to death row are scheduled for execution in coming months. Ryan Krull has a deep dive into Bob McCullough's legacy published this week in the Riverfront Times. It's part of a series that explores the death penalty in St. Louis County called Shadow of Death. That series is sponsored by the River City Journalism Fund. Ryan Krull, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeremy. I appreciate being here. We're glad to have you. So first thing is, why is Bob McCullough someone for us to be looking at and talking about and thinking about in 2022? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, You mentioned the Ferguson uprising in your intro there. He really came, I think, on a lot of people's radar in 2014, um, whenever he presented evidence to the grand jury who chose not to indict uh, Darren Wilson, the Mm -hmm. man who killed Michael Brown. Um, You know, at the time, uh, uh, you know, people protesting in the streets, other folks, you know, many of them viewed McCullough as a bit of a villain, sort of on the other side of the coin. uh, He really became this sort of hero to like the the Blue Lives Matter movement, you might say, which was sort of nascent at the time. Um, But however, four years later, this issue of how his office handled the death penalty, I think, has really become more and more salient because these death penalty cases take so long to work their way through the system, even after the jury can, you know, sentences an individual to death. Um, that's kind of his like most salient legacy at the, at the moment right now, because as you said, there's three individuals right now on death row put there by McCullough's office who are set to be executed. I think it's like in the next three or four months. Then there's another three individuals whose execution dates are going to be sometime after that. Uh, if I have my numbers correct right now, there's 18 people on Missouri death row, and six of those folks came from St. Louis County. So 18 in, from the state of Missouri in total. I I'm, I hope that number is correct, but I know that I know that the you could say the that, that St. Louis County is is very well represented, represented. perhaps over representative over represented. Some people would say on Missouri death row. Um, how does uh, McCullough's record compare with his peers nationally? Yeah, so there's a. Uh, professor who looked into this from uh, North Carolina and and to sort of maybe perhaps at, at the risk of oversimplifying it just a little bit he was on um, the sort of extreme edges of what would be considered normal I guess where he was a high user of the death penalty I think uh, professor Baumgartner referred to him as a very very high user. Uh, so I get, I don't know, we could kind of look at like statistics and standard deviation. He wouldn't be way, way outside the norm, but okay. he would be definitely on that high use end of things. Okay. Um, he wasn't, he's not in the, like there's sometimes on the internet or wherever you see these like top 10 lists 
of, of prosecutors in terms of using the death penalty. He's usually not on those, but probably if that list went to like 20 or something okay. like that, he might, okay. his, his office would be. And you spoke with him recently? Yeah, we chatted a few weeks ago. Um, uh, I, as far as I know, I th- he keeps a pretty low media profile. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that he'd spoken to a reporter in some time. And I, I was very, it was, um, you know, I was very grateful for the time. He he seemed to talk as long as I wanted to. We talked for several hours. What did you learn from that conversation? Uh, well, I learned that he, um, I mean, many things. One, he is, you know, very adamant, you know, no, I don't have any regrets about the way I handled any cases. His office certainly handled a lot of cases over 28 years as a prosecuting uh, attorney's office, you know, responsible for an area as big as St. Louis County is that, you know, they're going to just have a high volume of cases. Um, and the other thing I, I was sort of, I mean, impressed by was he had a pretty terrific recall of specific cases, even ones, you know, certainly ones where he was the lead prosecutor, but others where he had just sort of, you know, one of his, the people in his office had handled the case. He knew his facts really, really well, things mm-hmm. that I had sort of, you know, read up on in preparation of the interview, and he didn't know I was necessarily going to bring up. Uh, he knew exactly what I was talking about and was always able to kind of talk about them in, in some depth in a kind of impromptu way. So that, you, that's, that struck me. Yeah. Did you find at times that maybe what he said was revealing in a way he didn't intend? Well, I think, you know, um, so he was first elected in 1990. So he had that job for 28 years. And, you know, there, he's, a, I guess, a product of his time. I did sense that um, the way he talked about cases what did kind of have this, what you might call uh, old school law and order mm-hmm. sort of um, tone. And I guess the one thing I guess is important to keep in mind is that was sort of his ID, or I'm sorry, his, um, his identity or his, his brand, if, if you will. He was this law and order individual uh, and, you know, electorally, politically, that served him really well. He was elected in 90, uh, reelected uh, six times, wide margin, never much uh, um, competition to speak of. Um, but then all of a sudden, this asset that I think had really benefited him, this kind of law and order um, identity, after Michael Brown, that was just not what people wanted in a prosecutor anymore. And then Wesley Bell beat him pretty handily in 2018 by about a 13-point margin. Yeah. And you mentioned old school law and order. Some of his remarks, uh, supporters might call it no-nonsense or simply tough on crime. But uh, a reporter asked him this details in your story. You you weren't the reporter, but a reporter asked him what convicted serial killer Kelvin Malone's motive might have been. And he said he was mean. Yeah. Does that indicate to you a sophisticated grasp of the sources of crime? So I think that McCullough, I think he, that's such a good question. That's, I would say that quote, and sometimes the sort of brevity with which he talked publicly about cases, um, particularly before 2014, perhaps wouldn't indicate that. But um, I think if you sat him down, and I mean, I know for a fact, because he and I did talk about the Kelvin Malone case pretty significantly, he he would be able to tell you, you might disagree with the choice here, the choice of um, seeking the death penalty, but he would be able to give you a very um, uh, in-depth, in-depth explanation of the aggravators in that case that led to his office seeking the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Again, you might disagree with him, but he would um, be able to give you a more full-throated or, or more complete explanation. Now, again, you might say, well, as a, from a PR standpoint, 
maybe those sort of um, th- those sort of remarks can be interpreted as curt or callous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might not sort of do him any favors, uh, especially these, these, you know, in our sort of, sort of current climate. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the way he talked to the media a lot. And there's other sort of examples of folks who is his uh, office prosecuted uh, or sentenced to death, and then after they were put to death, a reporter would ask him about it, and he would be a little bit. Um, he would be very brief in okay. his remarks. It right. was just his, I guess, his style. Yeah. Well, another another quote from him in the story is, the primary purpose of the criminal justice system is punishment. And you mentioned uh, that's one rare point of agreement between him and some of his critics. Uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so that's sort of one of those things, you know, where like uh, I guess sort of akin to like when someone like Donald Trump and Noam Chomsky kind of are on the same page. <laughs> Uh, maybe, but for totally different reasons and with sort of totally different uh, um, uh, judgments being made that lead to the same conclusion. So yeah, so McCullough said to me, I was, this is one of the things I actually was pretty surprised to hear him say, say he said, yeah, that the, the primary purpose of the criminal justice system is punishment. And I think there's a lot of sort of activists who would agree that, yes, you know, that, that as it is structured now, that is the sort of primary uh, purpose of the justice system. Uh, is to is to punish individuals. You know, they, I think the the sort of activists or you know the the reformists would go on to say, but ideally it should be you know reform, rehabilitation, um, amends making that that sort of thing. I mean, it, you know, and we we call it the Missouri Department of Corrections, right? We don't call it the Missouri mm-hmm. Department of, of Punishment. Punishment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, does Bob McCullough's does the arc of his career say anything to us about the justice system in this region and possibly inequities in that system? Yeah, that, that is a really good question. So um, I think the, the the best way to sort of speak to that would be to point out that in um, 2018, the election that he lost, that, you know, his, his defeat was really four years in the making. There was a lot of folks in 2014 not happy with the way he handled um, uh, the, uh, the Darren Wilson non-indictment. And they sort of said to themselves, OK, we have to figure out how to get this guy out of office. And it turned out um, whenever these activists would go, you know, uh, campaign against McCullough or sort of set the set the seeds for a campaign against McCullough, they found that there's a lot of folks, um, you know, they would they would go knock on doors and individuals would say, um, first of all, they would express surprise that McCullough was even in an elected position. They thought that because he had been prosecutor for so long, that it was something that he didn't have to get reelected to every four years. Um, and the other thing they would say was, oh, wow, McCullough, uh, you know, that guy, you know, he locked up my dad. He locked up my son. He locked up my brother. He locked me up. So they discovered there was this sort of untapped, I guess, animosity oh. against McCullough that hadn't really. After um, 28 years. After 28 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, that existed. It was sort of in the, the DNA of the of the electorate, I guess you would say. But it hadn't really resulted in folks showing up to the polls to vote against him. Again, because a lot of these folks weren't even aware they could vote against that the, the prosecutor was an elected position. So I think once um, they, you know, these uh, political activists were able to sort of put two and two together. Hey, there's this constituency of people who will eagerly go to the polls to vote against this guy. They just kind of need to have that on their radar. I think once that happened, I think his, his fate was probably sealed. Having sat now sat down with the man and um, looking so closely at the history, uh, has your understanding of Bob McCullough and his career as a prosecutor changed? Yeah, I didn't have a great sort of – I didn't have too many preconceived notions going in. Um, 
I guess one thing that I, I did sort of reflect on is I do, you know, you wonder these kind of counterfactuals if maybe he had, um, you know, read the room, so to speak, uh, or read the sort of tide that started changing mm-hmm. after 2014. Uh, very late in the election campaign in 2018, he did start sort of presenting himself with a little bit of kind of a softened edge where he did yeah. talk about um, these diversion courts that he had that he'd set up leniency to folks who have drug or mental health issues. Um, but I think it was too little, too late. So yeah. I guess on some level, it's understandable. You're in that job for almost 30 years. Perhaps you take it for granted a little bit that you're just going to get reelected. Um, you know, he didn't show up to a lot of debates. Um, he, I don't think he took Bell very seriously, again, until it was probably too late to sort of change course. Yeah. So there is maybe just uh, some wisdom in that story. Well, the Riverfront Times' Ryan Krull, his article, Former St. Louis County Prosecutor Bob McCullough Has No Regrets, is in this week's Riverfront Times and on our website at stlpr.org. It's a story commissioned by the River City Journalism Fund. Ryan, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, and hey, I really appreciate it. And you mentioned the River City Journalism Fund. Uh, Just for folks who are interested in learning more about that, check out rcjf.org. It's a great new initiative. Appreciate you having me. You bet. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Alex Hoyer and Elaine Cha. Her first one. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.